Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. It is a Sweet 16 preview on this Thursday, March the 24th, 2022. And whether you're listening on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or your Alexa-enabled device, I appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show. You could even be listening to the podcast, which you can download from all of your uh, favorite podcast uh, brokers, I guess, if you will. I guess we'll call it that. Uh, Places you download your podcast from. We're all available there. Just look up the Jeff Dean Show and download it. You can listen at your leisure. Regardless of how you're listening, uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in here. I know you have a choice of where you uh, lend your ears to get your sports information, news, entertainment, opinions, whatever have you. And uh, I appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show. Try to break it down here for you every single day. Hopefully I have given you guys something to think about and chew on for the rest of the day before tip-off tonight at 7 p.m. or around 7 p.m. tonight for the uh, for the Arizona game. Uh, you know, hopefully that's uh, it's giving you a little something to think about with my three keys to an Arizona victory. Let me know if you agree or disagree. You can always hit me up on Twitter at UAZ Voice. That's at UAZ Voice uh, on Twitter. You can always uh, hit me up there. Let me know if you agree or disagree with my three keys or uh, how I broke down the uh, you know the the uh, the Houston Cougars or uh, anything like that. Just let me know. I'm always uh, I'm all I'm always uh, willing to uh, to listen to someone. Um, you know, they've got a couple of guys that that I don't want to say scare me. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not afraid of any. I'm not playing the game, so I, but they shouldn't scare the you know Arizona. But these are but these are really good players. Okay, I, I think it's as much as Fabian White. There, he's you know he's their big man at six nine. Um, you know, he's a tenacious rebounder, and he does have a nice touch around the rim uh, at times where he can. He can, uh, uh, you know, score. He's got a little bit of a – he's not, a, he's not a, a thrasher, right? He's got a little bit of finesse to his game. But the guy that kind of makes their you know, makes their engine run, I mean, it really is their point guard, Jamal Sheed. Um, you know, he's, he's pretty pretty darn good basketball player. He's got a really high assist-to-turnover ratio. His assist-to-turnover ratio is over three this season. So he's, you know, he's got, uh, you know, he's got some things going on. Josh Carlton, he's their other big man uh, that they that they run out there. He's a good rebounder as well. Um, you'll see him out there. Kyler Edwards is a guy that scares me a little bit. He's their best shooter. Um, he's been their guy, their, like their sniper from from beyond the arc this year. He's twelfth in the country in three point field goal attempts. Now. He's not the greatest shooter. He shot 33% from the field uh, from beyond the arc. He was, you know, just, like he was you know, 99th in the country or something like that as far as uh, three-point three field goal shooting percentage goes. But he shoots a lot of them, and Houston will shoot a lot of them. If Arizona has, you know, and we've seen in the past, and, and uh, look, on several occasions, and Tommy Lloyd has talked about this, it's been their, you know, their game plan was to let the opposing team shoot threes and just not give up any twos. And they've done it before. There's been games where, like the Colorado game in the Pac-12 tournament, 
where they only gave up six two-point field goals in the game. I don't care who – I mean, unless you're playing a team who just – unless they make like 33 pointers, you're not going to lose that game. Six two-point field goal makes, that's ridiculous. You're not going to lose that game. Uh, the, the one thing that, that does you know concern me a little bit about this you know this Arizona team is if if Kyler Edwards gets hot, he can be a problem. He's he's their best shooter, and they will take a lot of them. They 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 shoot they shoot a lot. He's twelfth in the country in attempts, so uh, they're going to put it up. It's going to be uh, important for Arizona not only to close out on those threes, but to make sure that you're watching the ball and the trajectory of the basketball as it gets off you know the rim and. Make sure that you're athletic enough. Put yourself in a position to rebound the ball. Go up above the rim. Grab, grab that ball before it has an opportunity to come down. You know what I mean? Like you always see this. You know, you hear your guys talk about analysts talk about it on TV or coaches talk about it or whatever. You know, we've got to play above, above the rim tonight. We got to play above the rim. We, if we play above the rim, most people think that that means we got to go do a lot of dunks and 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 lobs and things like that. That's not what it means. It means that we've got to be athletic on the boards and we got to go up and get those. We got to jump to go get rebounds. You can't let a rebound fall to you. If you if you try against Houston, right? Arizona, look, there were some opportunities in Arizona for, to, to grab rebounds, to jump, you know, fly sky into the air, grab a rebound as it's coming off the rim. They decided not to. Some of that uh, want-to that I was talking about earlier on, the effort that I was talking about early on in my three keys, and they tried to let the ball come to them, and TCU was like, uh-uh, mine, and they went and got it. You, you can't do that. Like, ball comes off the rim, whether you're Umar Balo, Christian Coloco, Benedict Matherin, Dalen Terry, any of the rebounders, Azulis Tabellis, you got to go up and get it. Like, leave your feet, <laughs> go grab the ball. That's one thing about this team that I really actually like, this Arizona team. they got great hands. Everybody's got great hands on this team. We, we don't have a fumbler, right? Like, every, it seems like – Every year, Arizona basketball has like one or two fumblers. And we, I'm not going to call them out by name. We know who they are. You've watched Arizona basketball. You know exactly who I'm talking about over the years. There's been, you know, there's been several of them. This team doesn't have, like, in, in fact, if you, go to read, if you go to read the NBA profiles, like the draft profiles, the scouting profiles of both Christian Coloco and Benedict Matherin, those are the only two that I'm reading right now because they're the only ones that are, that are really you know, concerning the, the NBA draft at this point. Both of the uh, of of those scouting reports say that they have great hands, and it's true. I mean, Coloco's got you know it may not be DeAndre Ayton mitts where if it got anywhere near him, it would just kind of like suck into his hand. Like his his hands were, they still are, <laughs> incredible. Watched the game last night. He he caught a ball last night. I didn't think anybody had a chance to catch. Anyway, um, but this team's got great hands, so don't don't worry about sky and high for a rebound. You know, it, it, you always you always hear coaches like two hands on the ball, two hands on the ball. I, this team, I I would trust to go up and leap in the air to you know put one hand on it and then just bring it into them and and secure the ball that way. You don't have to be you you don't have to be Jimmy Chitwood and you know <laughs> and and the Hoosiers. You know, you don't have to be like okay, jump up and you know both feet and two hands on the ball and you you bring it high, you bring it into your chest, elbows out. Like it's not, we're not talking those kind of fundamentals. This isn't the YMCA, um, but be you know be fundamental in in certain aspects of your game. Don't be a showboat. Don't be a hot dog. Um, you know, make sure that you're communicating on defense. Those are the fundamentals that this team needs to worry about. So 
uh, you know, again, we, we'll 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 have a full breakdown of the game for you tomorrow, obviously, uh, after you know what we see tonight. But I mean, I am expecting good things out of this team. To me, uh, this basketball team has they've learned every step of the way. You know, they things were easy for them early. They realized, like, hey, we're pretty good. And they would go out there and they'd beat teams by 40 points. And, you know, you, you play a, a, a good team like Wyoming. Wyoming's a good basketball team. And, they, like, Arizona ran through them like wet toilet paper. <laughs> like, that game was out of hand in six minutes. That game was over. That was a good basketball team. The – the, uh, the 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 wonderful thing about this team and their journey to this point has been that they've been challenged in many different ways, and almost interestingly enough, it kind of the way the 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 the, the matchups kind of played out for Arizona in this tournament and in their bracket right now, they get to play two teams that are very similar. Now, th- you know, obviously they're different personnel wise. Houston's a little bit smaller than TCU is, more athletic. They're more aggressive on defense than TCU is, but they generally play a similar style. Their big men are very similar. They're not very skilled, but they're physical and they're tough, and they put out a lot of effort the same way, you know, like we watched Eddie Lampkin do in the in the round of 32. We're going to see Carlton and uh, and White do in in this round. Um, you know, they're just physical guys. Arizona's going to have to endure that, but they went they just went through a tough test. Team that played them real hard. So it's not like Arizona's playing Purdue tonight with a team that's going to try to, to hang a 90-burger on you by running nonstop. they got a, a guy who plays the lead guard position who's going to run at you 100 miles an hour and attack the rim, and they have four guys around the perimeter. They're all shoot threes at 38% or better. Like We're not playing. You don't have to change styles overnight, essentially, to play this game. You can look at what you did and what things went well against TCU, where you can improve, in a game like, you know, for Arizona, if they think about like, okay, how could we have won that game by double digits? If you apply that to your, you know, to your game tonight, I think it's going to serve you well because of, of the style of play and and the the things that they do and the things that they they focus on. But make no mistake about it, a really good basketball team in Houston. This is going to be a good one. Like Arizona's had a lot of matchups over the years that we've, you know obviously been fully aware of sometimes we've had some surprises you know the Gonzaga matchup in the round of 32 um, which is one of the best games I've ever seen period regardless of any team playing it's that's one of the greatest games in the history of basketball and that's not just me saying that I've talked to national guys who feel the same way like they people remember that game it was a round of 32 game like this okay well sure it wasn't a final four game won the championship game People remember that Arizona-Gonzaga game. That was an epic throwdown. This has the potential to be kind of the same, the same way. This could be one of the more memorable games in Arizona's history. You know, people you know, remember the, the, the last time Arizona played Houston at the McHale Center. Aubrey Coleman stomping on Chase Budinger's face right there in front of the, in, in front of the scores table, right? We all remember that. Houston's up ten. They get uh, Bud gets you know get, kind of gets run over there, and as Aubrey Coleman is celebrating, you know the 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 rough and tumble play that Houston was accustomed to at that time, 
he literally just put his foot right on Chase Budinger's cheek and walked over him. Arizona was down 10 with 52 seconds to go and won that basketball game. That is one of the most remarkable comebacks in the history. It gets Sometimes it gets lost, I think. You know, like the Florida game, you know, people remember that. People remember some other big games at Arizona at the McHale Center. That That's absolutely one of them uh, was that comeback against Houston in the Aubrey Coleman game. So these two teams got a little history. Now it's it's been a while since they've played one another, and both coaches that were in that game are now gone. So, it, you know, things are definitely different now. But, uh, nonetheless, two great teams going to be colliding tonight in San Antonio. Looking ahead at some of the other games that are going to be going on in the Sweet 16, the Michigan-Villanova game, you know, Michigan, I don't – people are saying, oh, Michigan's on borrowed time. I still, I still think Michigan's a really good basketball team. I've felt that all season long. And I wish I could, like, pull up all of my texts to my buddy that went to Michigan. And I'm like – I, you know, he'd, he'd text me and he'd be like, oh, my God, we suck. And I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with you guys. I, you know, I can't figure it out. You're a better team than this. You shouldn't be losing to Rutgers at home. I, I can't figure out what's wrong with you guys. And then they turn around and he beat Michigan State in East Lansing. I, you, you, can't, you can't quantify some of these things. They haven't won back-to-back games all season long. It's a good basketball team. And I, I, I tell you what, people want to be harping on Jawan Howard, and I harped on him. I think he's, I felt that he should have been fired after striking an, an opposing coach. I feel like the the remorse that he's shown and the, the, the way that he's gone about his business after that proves that he should not have been fired. I was wrong. I don't, you know, he should not have been fired. I was heavy-handed and maybe a little too emotional in that instance. I don't like to see coaches going after one another in the handshake line. And, you know, the handshake line is – is a contentious thing anyways for people to discuss. Like People don't want to be like, oh, the handshake line is stupid. We, there's no reason to have it. These two teams, you know, they, they, they talk to one another before the game. Half of these kids already know one another. There's no need to have a, a handshake line. It's only a recipe for, you know, for problems. It's been going on for decades, and there hasn't been a whole lot of problems. I mean, you know, it's been few and far between. You know, Jawan Howard striking another coach is kind of ridiculous to me, but – Nonetheless, showed some remorse, and I feel like like they've grown from that. I've always felt this Michigan team was better than their record and better than the way that they played. I, I look stupid saying that throughout the season because I'm like, Michigan's still good, Michigan's still good. Lose my 20 at home to Rutgers. Oops, maybe they're not good. But here they are in the Sweet 16 with a chance to take down an absolute giant in Villanova. And they've got, they've got some tools to do it. Like, Michigan can play both styles. They can play speed-up style. They can play slow-down style, which is what Villanova's going to do. They're going to drag them down into the muck and the mire of a slow-down game, of a, of a, you know, a rock fight. As the, that term, you know, it's funny. I've been using that term for a long, like a long time. Long time I've been using that term. And it, it, it's only like, it seems like the, the, that, that term has become uh, popular. I, I don't know what the, what the, word I'm looking for is, uh, there's, a, there's a French word for it. I can't remember what it is. Maybe I'll ask Christian Coloco. The, the you know, it, it's become, you know, kind of a thing of, of recent pop culture, like rock fight. Oh, everybody's talking about the rock fights of basketball. Like, <laughs> you can't just throw the term around loosely. There's a very specific uh, type of basketball game that is a rock fight, Okay. Um, so you can't just turn around. Like if it's a close game, oh, it's a rock fight. No, no, no. It's just it's just a close game. <laughs> uh, that game has the potential to be an absolute rock fight. Is Michigan Villanova? There are some there are some other games uh, tonight that are going to be 
good ones. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to you know several of the games here uh, that are that are coming up tonight. Of course, we're going to have those for you right here on uh, on ESPN Tucson as we're your home for March Madness. It starts off with a one seed tonight, Arkansas taking on Gonzaga. Arkansas, a team that has been constructed by Eric Musselman, a team of, uh, you know, I, I guess, um, you know, it's it's been a, it's been a lot of uh, a lot of transfers coming through there. I mean, he's you know Eric Musselman's kind of built that team, built that program off the transfer portal, and he's you know it's it's I, maybe it's tough to recruit to Arkansas. I'm not exactly sure, but they're, they're, they've got they've got some good players. Eric Musselman is a uh, a good coach. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, recognize that he's obviously taken some teams pretty far. I just, they're the size and skill of Gonzaga. That game has blowout written all over it. I'm sorry. I know that I have an Arkansas fan listening right now. She's like the biggest Arkansas fan I know, one of the only Arkansas fan I know, and I know she's listening right now. And I'm sorry, but. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm thinking you're going to get crushed tonight. That's just that's just my my guess. That game tips off at uh, 4:07 Arizona time. We'll have that for you here on ESPN Tucson. Following that, a game that's going to tip off about 20 minutes after that, the aforementioned Michigan Villanova game in the South there in San Antonio. The game that will precede the Arizona and Houston game. The Michigan Villanova game should be. I think it's going to be a good one. It'll be a close game just mainly because it's going to be a slow-down type of game where there's not a whole lot of scoring. So there's not going to be a lot of room for separation on the scoreboard unless Michigan or Villanova, one of the two, just has an absolute clunker shooting the ball where they're like 2 of 19 from beyond the arc or something, like, which could happen. I mean, I don't think it happened to Villanova. they got much better shooters. But uh, I like Villanova in that game. I do like Villanova to advance. Uh, I thought that I felt Villanova's been a really good team all season long. They've had some head scratchers at times, but sometimes that'll happen. If you allow your style to keep other teams close, you can get beat. Um, and that's just kind of the way it goes sometimes. And that's, your, that's a pick your poison for Jay Wright uh, with, with that style that he plays. But not, I mean, you can't refute his resume. He's got two championships, right? One one right here in San Antonio, right there in San Antonio. I'm not in San Antonio. One one right there in San Antonio just a few years ago. They took the the riverboat tour, you know, after they won the championship and all that. They had a heyday, so they've got good good memories of playing in the Alamo Dome. Another game that's going to tip off, we'll have that here for you at ESPN Tucson as well, the game in San Francisco. The other matchup uh, following the Gonzaga-Arkansas game, this one's going to be a good one. Texas Tech versus Duke. That's the three seed versus the two seed. You've got... Duke, with all of their skilled players, they've got four, maybe five future NBA players on that starting five right now. You know, Coach Krzyzewski, it's, it's going to be his. Could it be his final game? It's certainly his final Sweet 16 game. We know that. Uh, could it be his last basketball game ever? Then you're going up against Texas Tech and Mark Adams. You know, Chris Beard leaves that program for his alma mater at Texas, who's been since eliminated uh, in this tournament. Texas Tech... Still doing things, though, the same way. Mark Adams was the associate head coach under Chris Beard. He stayed to keep the job at Texas Tech, and he's kept things rolling. The Red Raiders, very, very, very good basketball team. They're buttoned up, and uh, not only do they play great defense, but they have the ability to score in bursts, and I think that's going to be a good game. I think eventually, though, I think Duke's size will kind of dictate what happens there, and I expect Paolo Boncaro 
to show that he's going to be one of the top picks in the NBA draft. He hasn't he hasn't played all that well down the stretch. He's had a couple of games here and there, but I think this could be a potential breakout game for a guy like Paolo Boncaro because his skill against a team like Texas Tech could just be an, an immense advantage uh, for Duke. So uh, I like Duke to move on from there. So I think the, the, the Duke-Gonzaga matchup, I think that's the one that's uh, that everybody's kind of been hoping for, been waiting for, and I do believe that that will happen in the Elite Eight in the in the West there in San Francisco. And then, of course, finally, uh, the final tip-off tonight, that game going to be tipping off around 7.05, probably 7.07 realistically, somewhere around there, Houston and Arizona. I've already given my thoughts on that game. We'll have some thoughts on tomorrow's Sweet 16 games as well. Will Cinderella keep dancing at the ball, or will it strike midnight as St. Peter's takes on Purdue? You've got Providence taking on number one Kansas. You know, Ochai Abaji is, you know, finally in his senior season, having a great year, uh, not having a great tournament, though. He's going to turn that thing around because Providence has been playing really good basketball lately. North Carolina, UCLA, the powder blue bloods, right? That game is going to be fun. That should be uh, uh, an interesting one. I think as poorly as UCLA has been playing offensively, uh, I don't know what's going on in the heads. You know, Johnny Juzang hasn't been shooting the ball extremely well. Jaime Hawkes has been limited with injuries. Uh, Cody Riley has just disappeared. He's soft as Charmin. But <laughs> I think in this instance, I, I look to coaching. And, and I don't look. I don't like Mick Cronin. I make fun of him at, at every turn, and I don't think he's a, a very a very great guy. But what he is is a really good basketball coach, and I think Hubert Davis is going to be in for a real a real whooping uh, tomorrow in Philadelphia. And then finally, the, the unlikely matchup of Iowa State-Miami, the 11-10 seed um, in Chicago. And it's kind of like one of those things like, <laughs> I, I don't care. It's, it's funny to say that. It's a Sweet 16 game. I'm like, I don't care. Because neither of those teams – are getting past the winner of the Kansas-Providence game. Neither of them. Like, they're, they're going to win their final game. Whoever wins that game is going to win their final game of the season. Iowa State, I, I don't even know how they're here, to be honest with you. That's not a good basketball team. <laughs> they got lucky to be an 11 seed because they played in the best conference in basketball this year. That is not a great basketball team. And, and Miami, I've seen Miami down 30 at halftime in, in, the, in the ACC, and the ACC wasn't any good this year either. <laughs> That's a weird match. I never, I, I'm telling you, if you could have given me all of the potential Sweet 16 matchups, maybe the St. Peter's moving on as a 15 seed after beating Kentucky would have been right up there. But I never would have guessed Iowa State versus Miami in that bracket. That has been the, that has been just the weirdest bracket, uh, at least that half of a bracket. It's been so strange this year. Exciting. That's what March Madness is all about. All right, we're gonna take a timeout when I return. As promised, we'll talk some NFL next here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, we're going to do what I, what I promised you guys every single day. We will talk NFL every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show. I've spent an hour and a half talking college basketball so we're gonna spend some time talking some nfl because there was a big trade yesterday that you know every other market in the country outside of like you know tucson houston you know teams that are going to be playing tonight are absolutely discussing at length today and that was the trade 
made between the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs, who agreed on a trade to send wide receiver Tyreek Hill to Miami in exchange for, what was it, like five draft picks? I mean, yeah, five draft picks in the deal, uh, and immediately they, the, the Dolphins signed Tyreek Hill to a contract extension. The contract extension, it pays out um, $52.5 million guaranteed at signing. He gets a uh, $25.5 million signing bonus. So there's just cash right there for signing his name. Can you imagine? <laughs> Sign your name right here. Yes, sign my name, Tyreek Hill. Okay, here's your $25.5 million. We'll send that to you. Just uh, deposit it right into your account. <laughs> Holy smokes, man. He's got to play for the rest of it, but he's got – the rest of it, you know, the other there's another $27 million guaranteed in there that he's going to get regardless. Um, he's got $10 million a year. Or, well, it, it escalates. It's like, it goes from like 10 to 16 to 19 um, and then 21 in 2025. And then his 2026 base salary is $43.9 million, which he will never see. <laughs> but uh, it's nice to have it there, and he can restructure and all that kind of stuff if, if he ends up getting that far. It's a long ways away, especially for a wide receiver of diminutive stature the way that Tyreek Hill is. So what happened here? Like, I mean, really, like what happened in the, you know, in the whole saga between Tyreek Hill and the Kansas City Chiefs? You know, it, again, it, it, it all goes back. This was kept much more quiet than the two buffoons up in Green Bay that were constantly talking about it for the last year, being Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I want to be the highest-paid player. I want to be the highest-paid player. I want to be the highest-paid in my position. Highest-paid in my position, yada, 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 nonstop. And the whole time, we're thinking, first of all, the Green Bay Packers would be foolish to do that, to pay uh, a quarterback and a wide receiver at the top of the NFL. Number two, they, I don't think they could do it. Like, you, just, you can't field a roster by doing that, spending the amount of money that they did. Now, Kansas City Chiefs kept things more quiet with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill wanted to be the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL. He went to the Kansas City Chiefs and said, I want to be the highest-paid player. And Kansas City Chiefs said, we're already paying Travis Kelsey at the top of the list. When we paid Patrick Mahomes, he was the highest-paid quarterback in the league. Well, sorry, man. Like, we have to go out and, and we had to sign, uh, you know, a new defensive player. We just, you know, we – we just gave our defensive tackle some money last year, and we had to bring in some offensive linemen because, you know, Patrick was on his back a bunch the previous year, and that's why we didn't win a Super Bowl. All those things go into it. We can't give you the money that you're seeking. Then he says, okay, trade me. Okay. So Kansas City loses their speed threat, right? Tyreek Hill, now gone. And – you know, Patrick Mahomes loses his, uh, you know, his fun buddy, I, I guess is what you would call it. I mean, essentially, throw the ball up in the air as far as you can. Tyreek Hill will go get it. Tyreek Hill is a, is a matchup problem for most teams in the NFL because not only can he, you can hide him in the backfield, in the slot, outside the numbers. I mean, he can line him up all over the place. But he's also got ridiculous home run speed. Like, he's got straight line speed that is just ridiculous. And for you know, for a guy his size, you don't see guys his size run that fast. It just, it, I mean, <laughs> little legs, right? You got to turn them a lot faster to move that fast. So this is a huge deal uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Now you look at the, you look at the Dolphins. They've got Jalen Waddle. They've got Chase Edmonds, who they signed in the offseason, running back. 
They've got uh, Raheem Mostert, who they also signed from the from the 49ers. We all know what kind of speed he brings to the table. They've got a, a talented young tight end in Mike Jasicki, who they trust in the red zone, um, who I actually, you know, I had him on several parlays this year with FanDuel Sportsbook, you know, just a, a one-touchdown game from, from Mike Jasicki. And, I, I mean, I was able to, to green check mark that one almost every single time. He was, a, he was a go-to guy for Tua and for that offense. Now – they upgrade their offense. You know, they uh, they bring in the offensive coordinator from the 49ers. And I, I, you got to start looking at Miami and going, oh, man, who's going to defend these guys? I mean, you got speed everywhere. Who's going to cover Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle? I mean, Jalen Waddle was already a problem at the end of the season last year. In the last, you know, six, seven games, he really emerged into a, an, a, a genuine threat on every single play to go – to the house. Now they got two guys that can do it on every single play, and you got a red zone dude in Mike Desicki, and you got a solid tailback in Chase Edmonds, and you got a speed back for a you know for a change of pace guy in Raheem Mostert who can take it to the house at any moment. Uh, uh, you know, it, it the only thing that's going to hold them back. You know, they signed they signed uh, uh, Teron Armstead, Armstead, right? They they signed the, the left tackle. They gave him eighty million from the Saints, so they're loading up. They have to, right? This is their, this is their moment. I mean, the AFC is getting tough. You're either gonna get, you're either gonna run with them, or you're gonna get run over by them. You know, in, in the AFC right now, and they're trying to contend with Buffalo, who's one of the best teams in the NFL. You've got Belichick and the Patriots, who are always going to be competitive. You know, the Jets are no big, no big threat there in the AFC East, but the Miami Dolphins just made themselves players. Now, you know, two is going to be thrown in the football. They're showing a lot of faith in Tua right now. I think what it is, what it says right here is we're going to give Tua all of the tools that he needs to succeed. If he can't succeed with this, then Tua is gone. So we'll see what happens. I don't have a whole lot of faith in him. I don't think he's cut out for a, you know, a Super Bowl winner in this league, but he could prove me wrong, and I get proven wrong a lot. It happens all the time. So I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to say it. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll talk some more NFL and some NBA. Big game in the NBA last night that nobody's talking about because, you know, it was the Phoenix Suns. So why spend your time talking about the best team in the league? We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Quite a night in the association last night. <laughs> Talk about the game that no one is talking about, which was that Phoenix Suns-Minnesota Timberwolves game. Timberwolves were up. Uh, they scored 64 points in the first half. It was embarrassing for the Phoenix Suns. They were down 13 at halftime to the T-Wolves. There was a technical foul at the end of the, at the, end of the half. Um, you know, you've got Carl Anthony Towns throwing elbows, and he's mixing it up with Jay Crowder. And, you know, kind of walking away, laughing after he gets Crowder all stirred up. And then they're going after Booker. You know, and, and look, a lot of teams go after Book. They think he's soft, and that's, that's, their, that's, you know, that's a problem that teams have made uh, against the Phoenix Suns. If you think you're going to bully Devin Booker, you're sadly mistaken. He is, not, he is not to be taken lightly. And the exclamation point that he put on that game last night, oh, man. I'll tell you what, like, 
I, I like I'm getting chills right now because I was watching the game and I'm just like, uh, Devin Booker just went full Kobe on the Timberwolves last night, and and not because of, you know, uh, not you know because he dropped you know 52 on them and you know hitting dagger after dagger that kind of stuff, but what he did with that steal, scoop, and score in the dunk at near the end of that game um, when they tried to take him out. I mean, they they took uh, I can't remember who it was took a swipe at him on that dunk and book finished with a thunderous throwdown and he decided he was going to let them have it like he was talking some mad mad game after that dunk i mean the game was over at that point that was an exclamation i think there was like 51 seconds or so left in that game but man oh man he had uh he had gotten some fire and, and minnesota lit a fire in him and look they, they lit a fire under a couple people. DeAndre Ayton was a man possessed last night, a career high last night, 35 points for Dre, who w- was just completely dominating Carl uh, Anthony Towns. I just dominated him. Dre was 15 of 24 from the field, 4 of 4 from the line, and, ladies and gentlemen, 1 for 1 from the three-point line. He made a three-pointer. And it, nobody ran out on him. Like, Carl Anthony Towns decided, like, it was like, come and get it. And Dre was like, oh, I'll just take the shot right now. And popped it right there. And he made it. And that was awesome. I, I was like, I was freaking out, man. <laughs> like, I was so happy. Um, look, Carl Anthony Towns, there, there, was, there was a time, it may have been as, as you know, recent as earlier this season, where Suns fans wanted to trade DeAndre Ayton for Carl Anthony Towns. Like, I think we should trade for Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns this, cat this, and cat, 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 cat. And he's in the three-point shooting contest. Congratulations. Like, okay, cool. Like, he's a big who can shoot. Congratulations to him. And he had a really nice first half last night and then was talking all kinds of smack to the Phoenix Suns players. So what did he do after this in, in the second half when game really matters, you know, in front of his home crowd, trying to back up his jabber jawing? He had three points and three rebounds in the second half of that basketball game. Oh, by the way, his counterpart, DeAndre Ayton, 19 points, seven rebounds in the second half. So I ask you, (laughs) uh, who won that particular heads-up match? Now, and it's not the first time this has happened, DeAndre Ayton has owned Carl Anthony Towns in several occasions over the last couple of seasons. And Cat has had... Two big games against the Phoenix Suns, one of which DeAndre Ayton didn't even play. So I'm not trying to hear that, that, that Carl Anthony Towns should be the, you know, the, the choice for the Phoenix Suns if they were going to trade DeAndre Ayton. That's just it's silly to me. First of all, he didn't play any defense. Like he's, he's not a very good defensive player. He likes to pick his, his spots. He likes to get you know, cherry pick his, you know, some block shots here and there. But he's not a good defensive player. Uh, DeAndre Ayton proved that last night. They, I mean, they, they put Carl Anthony Towns on a string, and they were like, "Let's have some fun with this yo-yo." I mean, I'm not kidding. Like he was back and forth. They were controlling him, and this was out without Chris Paul. If imagine if Chris Paul had been there working his magic as the 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 you know the the puppet master against a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, they they put him on a string last night, and they were like, "Go give give go." Nope. Okay, we got you, Dunk. And, and it was I mean, it was like right back to business again. Phoenix Suns put on a clinic last night in the second half. That was awesome. 74 points scored in the second half of that game. They ran through Minnesota like they weren't even there. 
And Minnesota's a team, what are they, 10 games above 500? They were 11 games above 500 going into that game. Really good basketball team. I mean, they, they, got, they got talent. They, got, they can score. They got athletes all over the place. Like, they can, like, they're a problem. They're a good team. And once the Phoenix Suns got out of their own heads um, and stopped the nonsense that they were, they were doing in the first half, uh, things changed drastically. And the Suns showed why they're the best team in the NBA. And yet nobody's talking about this. Nobody's talking about how Phoenix went into Minnesota on the road, okay, uh, and, and just completely decimated a playoff team in the second half of that game. It was a playoff environment. Uh, DeAndre said after the game it was a playoff environment. He's, he's absolutely correct. That game felt like a playoff game. But that's how teams are playing the Phoenix Suns right now. You've, you've got one more shot, essentially, at a, at a measuring stick, right? This is a litmus, litmus test for a lot of teams, if you will. When you when you when the Suns come into your to your building or you go to the Suns building, you got one chance to test yourself against the best team in the NBA because you may not see them in the postseason. You wouldn't want to see them in the postseason. But this is for a lot of teams. This is their chance to make their mark, beat a team that has only been beaten fourteen times this year. Suns are fifty nine and fourteen right now, about to win their sixtieth game. They got a game tonight. So, Phoenix Suns. Uh, they back down from no one, and I'm extremely, extremely happy uh, the way that they dealt with Carl Anthony Towns and his his nonsense last night and completely shut him down the second half. And I'm really happy for DeAndre because even more nonsense about wanting to trade DeAndre for Carl Anthony Towns straight up was just stupid. Like that's just that's just a dumb idea. Like anybody who thought that would be a good idea, you don't know basketball. You don't. I'm gonna tell. I would tell you that to your face. You don't know basketball if you think that trading DeAndre Ayton for Carl Anthony Towns would be a good trade for your team, for specifically for the Phoenix Suns. I mean, what does, what does Carl Anthony Towns do? What, what have you seen from Cat that he does that would fit what the Phoenix Suns do? Nothing is the answer. <laughs> okay? That's the answer you're looking for, nothing. Speaking of nothing, there was not nothing going on in Miami last night as they were getting worked by Golden State. Now, some of you may say, well, gosh, what's the problem with that? Here's who didn't play for Golden State last night. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Otto Porter, Andre Iguodala. None of those guys played for Golden State last night. They hung 118 on the East's best team, uh, quote-unquote best team in the East, Miami Heat. During a, uh, during a timeout, Jimmy Butler, who was hot-dogging his way through the game last night, uh, drew the ire of Eric Spolstra. Spolstra called him out in a timeout scenario, basically saying, Jimmy, we need more from you here. Jimmy, I, I don't know if he dismissed him or, like, what was said at that point. But then Udonis had – because my favorite reaction was when P.J. Tucker – like, Spolstra said something to Butler. I don't know what it was. Butler obviously said something back to Spolstra. And they're sitting there, and I'm looking, and I'm watching the replay of this, and to look at P.J. Tucker, and he looks at him, he's like, Bro, did you just say that? Because Spolstra is just keeping on, like he's like, I got, I got, you know, forty seconds here to work this, uh, work this timeout for my team. So Udonis Haslam took it upon himself to speak up for his coach, and was like, Hey, Jimmy, don't disrespect the team, don't respect the coach that way. And Jimmy Butler and Udonis Haslam started to get into it. Well, that's when Spolstra lost his, he lost it, like slammed down the clipboard. Yeah, and screamed at, at Jimmy Butler. He goes, I, I think he said something to the effect of, am I going to have to fight you right now? Like, literally fight you. And they're screaming at each other on the court. 
and the officials are trying to break him up, and Spolster is going after Jimmy Butler like he wants a piece. Like, Spolster was pissed. I don't know, I, 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 just me, I, NBA players, like, to me, because they, you know, most of them are fake tough guys. Like, they really are. The league is full of fake tough guys. And, and to watch them, like, one, like, Udonis Haslam's not a fake tough guy. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with Udonis Haslam. Like, he's, he seems like he's genuinely pretty tough dude. I wouldn't mess with him. But to watch these, you know, the coach going after Jimmy Butler, after Jimmy Butler decided to run his mouth in a, in a timeout, <laughs> I love it, man. And to watch that against the team who's you know got the best record in the Eastern Conference right now, even better. Watch it all fall to pieces. That e- I'm telling you, those Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be must-see TV. If you're a basketball fan, it's going to be bleep show n- nonstop. Western Conference is going to be a breeze. I think the Western Conference is going to be a breeze. It'll be the Phoenix Suns playing for the championship in the Western Conference. Uh, whatever happens beneath them I think is just you know going to be gravy. Uh, the Western Conference Finals will be great, whomever the Suns play. But getting to the Eastern Conference Finals is going to be a lot of fun. It all starts in a few weeks. Can't wait for that. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, I'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Final segment of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Man, that one went fast. Look, I have stuff prepared that I didn't get a chance to talk about. It happens all the time. <laughs> I got papers here that I prepared, and they're going to be worthless tomorrow. I guarantee. In in five minutes, they're worthless. Like, I did all that prep work for nothing because I talk too much. That's the way it goes. But I think I gave you my my choices for tonight, right? I, we, we're, we're, we're solid on that. I have Gonzaga beating Arkansas. I have Duke beating Texas Tech. I think that's look. I think that's going to be a great game regardless. Um, I really think it's going to be a good game. I don't think the Gonzaga-Arkansas game is going to be close. I'll, I'm just saying it right now. I think Gonzaga has learned their lesson from their scare against Memphis and they're going to blitzkrieg Arkansas tonight. I like Nova over Michigan, but that game that game's going to be close. That'll be that'll be an absolute rock fight. Every single possession in that game is going to matter. You it, empty possessions are going to they're going to you know ring you know, like a cacophony of bells going off. Like you get an empty possession in that game, you're in trouble. Like you can't. And I and I don't mean they're going to be scoring back and forth, but empty possessions are. I mean, there's going to be a lot of them, but like, what I mean is, you you can't just give it up. Essentially, like there, there's going to you're going to have to work for it. If you work hard and you miss the shot, so be it. You go back, you play some defense. You can give up, give up offense or runouts in that game. Forget about it. Like you're going to you're, you'll get beat. So that one's going to be tense. And I, you know, I don't, I don't pick games because I, you know, I play, I, I play, I play for Arizona, and I'm here in Phoenix. Um, the, I, I don't generally pick games uh, because uh, you know of of my position with with Arizona, but what the hell, it's the tournament, and I think that uh, I think that Arizona is going to win the game tonight. I really do, and I'm not just being a homer here. I've looked through everything. I continue, and I've watched this team play up close and personal. 17 times this year 
and I really believe that they have what it takes to be a Final Four team. And as the season went on, I kind of had to pinch myself because I'm like, they look like a Final Four team. And, you know, seeing the teams that you play and the, you know, the, the Cal Baptists and, you know, that kind of stuff, and you're really not impressed until you kind of take a step back and you look at the rest of the landscape of college basketball and you're like, there's no other teams that are really doing this other than, you know, Gonzaga is beating teams by 40. And Kentucky, you know, at times was, was doing that as well. Duke, you know, all the, all the elite teams, Kansas was, was rolling teams that way all season long. And you come to the realization that this team is just genuinely that damn good. And I think they're better than Houston, and I think they'll win the game tonight. I think it's going to be close, and it's going to be an epic throwdown. It is going to be a physical matchup today, but I think Arizona will emerge victorious. Hopefully, we'll have some good news for you to talk about in the morning. That's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in studio for all her hard work. Stay tuned for March Madness tonight, and I will see you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. at 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.